Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dual Axis Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kriebel, and today I've got an extraordinary guest for you. She's an Ironman finisher, a real estate entrepreneur, and a champion for women's financial independence. She's the brains behind Flipping Empire and has taken the real estate world by storm. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Stephanie Lombardo. Hey, Andy, thanks so much for having me today. Really, really impressive background. I know we've just met recently and, and we got started chatting, probably not even about the coaching program we're in together, but about triathlons. When was your first, you did a half Ironman, is that right? In 2017? Yes. I, I grew up riding horses actually. And okay. uh, I suffered some from some back injuries and my doctor told me to stop exercising and just take up like yoga. So I decided to take up triathlon. Yeah. And uh, started my first half in, in 2017. Tell me a bit about your early life in Canada. So you grew up in Canada and now you live in Aiken, South Carolina, right? Yes. Yeah, I grew up just outside of Toronto. I lived mm -hmm. there, um, you know, went to school there, grew up there. My whole family is Canadian um, and, and everybody's still up there. But I just wanted to get out and do something different. So I was about 21 um, I was riding horses at the time and uh, followed a lady I was working with down to Aiken and just fell in love with it. Like super culture shock. I mean, the South is very different than very different. You know, Toronto, um, but I did. I, I loved it. And so I stayed down there and rode for, for many years in, in Aiken. So and still here today. So Aiken, there's a there's a big Canadian population in Aiken. Yeah. And I, that is I guess so random. It is very random. It is very random. But um, actually, one of the girls, uh, even in my real estate office, I met and we grew up in like the same town, which is just, again, totally, totally random. But a lot yeah. of worse people come down, um, yeah. you know, and it's just a good winter town. You know, you can golf mm. and play tennis and ride all year. So how did how did your upbringing in Canada influence your career path then? Um, I mean, we I come from a family of, of just hard workers. I mean, my everybody in my family really is in construction of some sort. So that does play a bit of a factor in, in what I do as far as renovating properties, but uh, nobody in real estate, um, but just a lot of hard workers. I mean, mm. you know, my dad still works today, works really hard. My, my brother, my uncles, everybody. Um, but I, I did kind of take my own path. And uh, like I said, you know, nobody really had a career in real estate. I sort of fumbled my way into that. Um, my dad talked about real estate a lot growing up, like buy rental properties, that's your way to wealth, um, but never did do anything with it himself. So, um, just by luck, I rode, I rode horses down here, had the back injury, moved, moved back home to Canada and went back to school, um, studied accounting, which I would have been a terrible accountant, but, uh, certainly good for business and, uh, does help me. It serves me today for sure. But, um, I came back when I moved back down uh, to, to Aiken and started doing some bookkeeping, worked with a real estate uh, real estate mentor uh, in that aspect, like with, with his books and um, business organization stuff. And that's how it evolved. So the, when you were doing horse riding, that requires a lot of discipline, hard work. You know, you have to be very structured with the training and all that. How has that helped you in your business? Well, even yeah, with sports and just in general, I mean, you know, you, you have to get the work done that day. Like you can't train for today, tomorrow. Uh, so that was a big thing. Uh, even with the horses, they were on a pretty strict training program. Um, and with Ironman, it's the same thing. Like you don't get to, 
you know, add some miles that you need to get in today. So with business, it's like showing up, it's putting in the work and it's sort of trusting that that outcome is going to be there, you know, when you show up on, on race day or game day. So, so you talked about your, uh, multiple back injuries and, um, how did that end up? So your doctor said no exercise and you decided triathlon, but there's gotta be some sort of path between those two things, right? You didn't just instantly decide triathlons, right? No, I mean, so I was in doing horses. Um, while I was still kind of in the horse world, I stopped riding and then I started to pack on the pounds a little bit. Um, (laughs) so I took up CrossFit, which was horrible for my back. Uh, Mm. I ended up rupturing a disc doing that. And, you know, doctor said no more exercise. Um, and then I was just looking for something else. I rehabbed myself. I went to chiropractic. I did chiropractic work like three times a week and, you know, just sort of rehabbed myself that way. Mm-hmm. But my friend's dad, um, who is still an Ironman athlete, he actually uh, just raced in Augusta this past weekend. He's 60, mm-hmm. 63. Wow. And uh, no, he's 65. And placed third in his age group, which is totally cool. And like fitter than me. I mean, it's amazing. So I would go and watch him race and I would see these people all shapes and sizes and ages and, you know, short, fat, tall. And I was like, (laughs) man, like if these people can do it, like, like I can do it. And, uh, just sort of slowly picked it up. I, I trained for like 18 months. I think like I was starting from like, it was like couch to 70.3. Right. So, and just slowly went and really like has never bothered my back. Um, so it was, it's been a good sport for me. Oh, that, um, that's, that's great. Yeah. I remember when, when I turned up on my first half Ironman, I've got this picture. I had this picture in my head of like these Greek gods that are going to be walking around and I'm going to feel like a fat slob, even though I was in like the best shape of my life and just that sense of relief. Okay. I think I'm more fit than that person. So I probably won't be that's last. Right. <laughs> that's right. The worst part is that, you know, they, they put your age on your calf, right? So right. Or they used to, I guess, you know, they, I don't know that they mark body mark anymore after COVID, but, and so I'd be like running and this woman would pass me and I'd look and I'd look at her calf and she's like 30 years older than me. I'm like, you know, but <laughs> so demoralizing. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an amazing sm- a sport and, and really cool community. My husband does Ironmans too. He just did the world championships in France too. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. And you did your first, so your first half Ironman was in 2017, but then you did a full, a full Ironman in 2019. Yeah. I know what that journey is like to go through. What was it like for you? Oh, um, it was, oh man, it was good. And, and it's hard and it's been a while. Like I feel like it was just yesterday, but it's been, mm. been a few years, but you know, my husband woke up from, well, I think he woke me up from a nap one day and just said, we're signing up and doing it. I'd gone back and forth and I was like, maybe before I'm 40, maybe then whatever. And so we just signed up. I did get a coach. Um, and it was sort of like I'd said, you know, I just did the training of that day Mm -hmm. because if you start to think about that end goal, like even when you're in it or even in peak training weeks, you know, and you're like, there's no way, like I just swam, you know, 3000 in the pool, like, how am I ever going to do more? Or how am I going to get off my bike? I just did a hundred mile bike ride. How am I going to actually do a marathon after? And you just kind of had to trust the process. Um, you know, but Ironman, just my whole, I mean, Ironman is, is certainly 
um, part of my identity, you know, and really like when I don't have a race or if I'm not signed up for something, it, I just don't quite feel like I'm performing in life the way I should, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, so it was tough after the Ironman, you know, we were trying to start a family and that. So, and then COVID hit and all of that. So I, I was on the bench for a couple of years. Yeah. I, I haven't done anything since I finished in mine was in April and I didn't, I ran 10 kilometers in the next two months total That's okay. and didn't swim, didn't bike. And I felt terrible. Yeah. And it's really interesting that when you get used to that, uh, the brutality of the training, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's, it's incredibly difficult, you know, getting up yeah. at, to have to do a three and a half hour bike ride before you start work in the morning yeah. is really, really hard. But I think that's what drives me is the discipline that's required. That's kind of like the way my brain is wired. It sounds yeah. like it's the same for you. It, it gives you that focus to the day. It gives you that structure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I don't, I really don't feel good unless I do. I like training in the morning. And if I don't train in the morning, yeah. it, it sometimes is hard for me to fit in the afternoon. But, you know, I don't really feel I have more energy. Um, and I think that was one thing I was just building my real estate career too, as a, as a real estate agent, um, when I started training for my full and the energy I had in my business, um, really increased. I just, overall, I was fitter. I just had, I just in general had more energy so mm. I could put some longer hours in my work, um, and do that too. So, um, but yeah, even now, like I'm not, I don't have a race on the calendar currently, um, but like I get up and, and run and every day and, uh, it, it, it helps me so much in, in every area. My husband yeah. either tells me I need to go take a nap or I need to go out for a run. And it's usually like go out for a run if I'm not. In a basically he's job. telling you you're grumpy. Uh, oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's his, his not so subtle way anymore of telling you that you're, that you're oh, yeah. grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, and it's same exact way. Yeah. Much more direct than that usually. Yeah. <laughs> So how did you get started in real estate then? And uh, so you've, you flip properties um, and, yeah. and what's, tell me a bit about how all that works. Sure. So I got started um, just sort of on accident uh, working for a man who was a real estate investor and uh, worked for him and he had a small company um, and sort of, I learned the ropes that way. I began flipping with, with this partner um, for a few years locally and then kind of went off on my own. So, you know, I buy distressed properties. Uh, we renovate them. Usually the, the worse the project, the more I'm in, intrigued by it. Mm. Um, I haven't done very many patent carpet renovations. Uh, so, yeah, we, we buy distressed properties and then we sell them. And uh, I wasn't... I never wanted to get my real estate license because I didn't want to like drive people around in my car and show them pretty houses. That wasn't really right. what I wanted to do. Uh, but I did get my real estate license to sort of um, benefit and keep more control for myself um, in my flipping process. So, and we use the same strategies uh, that we flip to, to build our rental portfolio mm -hmm. as well. Explain to people what it actually means to flip a house. So you don't like literally pick a house up with your hands and flip it over. That's right. So we buy distressed properties. And uh, what, what does distressed mean? Does that mean like foreclosure or they've gotten kicked out of the house or it's abandoned? Any of those things? It could be any of those things. So it could be um, a house that's in really in really bad disrepair. It could have been vacant mm -hmm. for a long time. Right. Um, 
I have flipped properties. I've purchased and resold properties that have had just needed some minor cosmetic updates, but typically there's a motivated seller somewhere in there. So either they don't have the, the means to do the renovations themselves. It's a family property that, you know, they got stuck with or has been stuck in probate and they just want the cash. Um, you know, or they have tax issues. So usually there is a motivated seller. Um, and yeah, the level of distress sort of ranges um, from a full gut renovation to um, paint and carpet and just putting some some minor finishes. What's the typical time frame then for flipping a house? So the the whole process, um, I like to be in and out at the at the I have a certain price point I like to be in. It's where I feel comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's right around the median price point for my area. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to be in and out if I can within four months um, or six months or less. So that's from purchase to, to sale. Sometimes they're a little bit faster if you don't have a lot of renovations to do, but that's a of pretty course. good average, four to six months. So you must have a set of contractors that you are, well, not only probably dependent on, but also highly trust. You've built up a lot of trust with them, or they've actually built up a lot of trust with you. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, contractors are the most challenging part of my job, for sure. Um, but we have some, I have some really good subs I've used for a long time. Um, sometimes we do have to hire new people and test out new people. Sometimes it works well, not. Um, but we definitely, and I've got multiple projects right now where I've got some of the same crews on it. Um, which, which can be helpful and sometimes difficult because you can't get them to, you know, if he's focused over on one, he's not always focused on the other. So, mm -hmm. and you managed to scale your business to 24 units in three years. Mm -hmm. How the heck did you do that? <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work and some focus. Um, so we bought a, my husband and I actually was the day it wasn't our wedding night, but it was the day after our wedding night. Um, we sat down and there's this book I wanted him to read about um, using, it's called the Burr strategy. It's buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. Okay. So I had my husband read this book and uh, I was like, this is, you know, this is our retirement plan. We're both self-employed. Um, you know, this is how we're going to build some real wealth versus just earning some money. And uh the day after our wedding, the night after our wedding, um, my husband sat down and he had the spreadsheet. We wanted 30 doors in 10 years mm. was our goal. Okay. And um, so we just started knocking away at it and we've been able to buy, you know, we'll hit the 30 within the next within the next year for sure. So that that must require a lot of cash flow. When we started, we decided to sell his primary residence. We both had our own houses. So we had a small um, you know lump of cash that we were going to use. So we bought our first property. We bought it cash. We renovated it with cash. And then once we placed that runner in it, we refinanced and we got our cash back. And that's how it works. Okay. So you're taking the same amount of money and you're just recycling it um, over and over. And we've been able to utilize um, some private money lenders, which have allowed right. us to buy multiple at one time and do the same thing. I borrow okay. 100K and uh, put it in that project and then sell it and or refinance it rather and, and pull it back out. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And so the name of your company is Flipping Empire, is that right? Yeah, so Flipping Empire is the, the training and education division, I guess, of my, of my company and my empire. Okay. Yeah, tell yep. me about that. 
Yeah. So uh, I, over the last uh, year, have noticed just a a need for more women to be in real estate investing, specifically real estate agents. I find um, they have a desire to do it and just don't know how. It's a pretty male dominated uh, industry as well. Um, mm. So I think women in general just need to approach it differently. Um, so I, I, I found a need for it. I have a ton of knowledge. Um, I love talking about real estate. I can sit and talk about it all day long. Um, so I just started to put together a program. I started uh, in the spring, I went through a mentorship program with some women. Um, and then since have just built out some courses and an accelerated program to help women move from from the desire to get involved in real estate investing to actually uh, doing it and starting down that path. So how would you describe the mission then of Flipping Empire in your own words? So the mission of Flipping Empire is really just to empower women uh, along their path to financial freedom through real estate investing. You know, I mm-hmm. believe that real estate is a vehicle in any capacity. There's very many different ways you can use real estate to build wealth, um, not just earn money, but build real wealth. And I do believe that that women need to have more money and have some more independent uh, financial independence. You mentioned that real estate is, is primarily men. Um, how has that experience shaped your understanding of the issues that women face in real estate? Um, I think that we, I think that women just get a little bit, we get a little bit of a pat on the head more often than men do. Mm. We don't typically get the pat on the back. We get a little bit of a is pat like, on oh, the head. Oh, good girl. You did really well. Oh yeah. And like, if I'm in home, like I have, I am not a general contractor, but I have a pretty good understanding of construction. And like, if I'm in home Depot, I get a lot of like, Hey, little lady, like, can I help you pick this out? Um, so I think that happens a lot. It happens a lot too in raising capital. Um, you know, and, and that's part of the journey. I mean, it's okay if you have to work a little bit harder, um, just to sort of prove yourself. I think it it makes it taste a little bit better when you are successful. Um, but dealing with contractors, I think, is the hardest thing as a woman um, to to sort of generalize, but they don't um they don't like being told what to do often, uh, especially by a Particularly woman. by a woman. Yeah. 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 So it can be a little bit challenging and you just kind of have to play play the situation and play the person uh, that you can. And you know, mm-hmm. if you're too direct, and I can be pretty direct. I'm working on it. Uh, but if you can be, if you're too direct, you know, then you're, you know, you're a bitch and they, they right. don't want to work for you or do what you say. And if you're too nice, then they take advantage of you. So it's, yeah. it can be tough. That's, that's like the classic thing you see in a, in a performance review for a woman versus a man, right? They're, men are seen as assertive and women are seen as uh, what's the, like, I guess, bitchy or something like that when they could say the same exact things. Um, yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. What do you think it would be like in your job if you didn't have that kind of, I know it's sort of discrimination, I guess. Well, if, if those barriers weren't there for you, what would it be like in your business for you? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I, there's still going to be challenges to it and I, I don't know that I can really speak, speak to that. I mean, I don't mind the extra challenge. I think I've learned how to navigate it. Mm. Um, but I do wish there was, I guess what I wish is that there were more women in the trades. Um, right. I think that women are, would be better. We'd have some better general contractors if they were women. Uh, I do have one female plumber, so I like using her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think that would make a big impact to the industry. Um, and, and I think over time, like it just takes me a longer time to build those relationships with the men so that they, they sort of know and respect me, I, I suppose. Mm. Do they treat your husband very differently then? Yes. Um, my husband just recently left his job and has come in full time into the, uh, the family business. Right. And, uh, I gave him a job at the Lombardo real estate company. So he laughed at that, but <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he started to work with me and I've sort of put the contractors on him a little bit. I'm, I'm much better at, uh, the deal acquisition and raising capital. So he's been, um, dealing mm -hmm. with that and, and it's been easier. Uh, mm -hmm. we also have a lot of, uh, Spanish speaking. We have a lot of Hispanic workers where we are. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband's from Argentina. So the language. Okay. So that helps as well then. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. So he, you, you found him a niche within your company. Oh yeah. I gave him a, yeah. I gave him a job. Yeah. So I, bought, I bought back my time there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you have a, a relatively young child. How old? I'm we're in like those weird months where you don't know what to say. She'll be two in January. She's about 20 two. months. 21. Right. Okay. That's a wonderful age. The terrible twos. Um, I don't think they're terrible twos. I think they're very interesting twos because that's when they, they really start developing their personality and, and they're funny. They're really funny. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some people get really upset about that for some reason. I guess they, they don't like the chaos of a, yeah. of a two-year-old, but, and um, so how do you then balance your professional commitments, your child, your training? How do you, how do you manage all of that? Um, it's definitely harder, uh, mm -hmm. than it was. Um, but it's all about, you know, listing out your priorities. Um, so I like to focus on, I don't like to say work-life balance. Like I don't, I don't really practice balance very well in general. Um, but I do try to have a little bit of harmony. So I like to get my training done in the morning, uh, before mm -hmm. my daughter wakes up. My husband okay. helps a lot and he also has the same, uh, passions and, you know, he's an athlete too. So he respects my time there. Um, and I've just become a lot more efficient with my time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even my assistant was telling me like my level of execution has increased dramatically because I want to get my work done and I want to go spend time with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of what I do of, of course is, is, um, driven by her, but, um, I want to spend time with her. So I don't want to be working, like if, if I can't work a certain amount of hours and the schedule that I want to keep, it's not going to work for me. And I guess that's where your assistant comes in, right? Do, you, do they manage your entire calendar and they tell you, Steph, this is when you are going to, this is when you're going to do your training. This is when you need to shut off for the day. This is, you know, whatever it might be. No, <laughs> um, not really. <laughs> you don't want to give I, that up yet? No, I, um, no, I mean, I try to keep it pretty, like my work hours, stay pretty much the same. I think it's, I think okay. when you have so many areas in your life, you need to have some consistency in your, in your, in your mm -hmm. daily routine. And my daily routine doesn't really change much from a Monday to a Saturday. Okay. Um, so she definitely helps to manages a lot of my email, um, and a bit with my calendar, but I go in there and mess her up anyway and throw, yeah. <laughs> I, I like throwing stuff in there when I feel like it. What is it like to have an assistant that does your email for you? So I'm, I'm about to hire one and I have this like euphoria that is, that I think I'm hoping for. Um, it's been, it's been really good. Um, 
I subscribe to a lot of stuff too, because more, I feel like for like research, you know, I like to see people's advertising and marketing, um, right. coming through my email. But, uh, so she's like, Oh, good God. Like you have so much stuff coming through here. So um, yeah, but it's helped a lot. It's helped the organization. Like my email is my filing cabinet. Hmm. Um, so that has helped. We used Dan Martell's, you know, in buy back your time, he has those email folders and that's been really helpful. Um, but what, you know, you do spend a lot of time, like you're waiting for those, those notifications on your email. It runs your day, like gives you that to-do list. And I, I really don't think about my email like I used to, like, I don't touch my email. Typically somebody on my team knows to text me if there's something important in my email, I need to sign or, or whatever, they'll send me a text message. So it's freed yeah. up a lot of my time for sure. That That's great to know. Cause you know, you spend so much time looking at your email without realizing that you're just constantly checking out. I guess it's no different than social media, right? People are constantly mm -hmm. picking up their phones. Yeah. What is it like? Is it like something like 200 times a day? People pick up their phones, something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's And what's really interesting is on the iPhone, it tells you how many times you pick up your phone. I don't know if you know that, but I, I do. It's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. And every time I'm like, okay, I need to change that. And I do it again the next day. Same thing. Yeah. That's right. What's next on the horizon for you and for Flipping Empire? What goals can you share? So with Flipping Empire, we've only just started to break ground this year. So we're super excited about finding um, those really driven women. Um, me being very driven myself, those are the types of people that I want to work with. Um, so we're really focused on the accelerated program. Um, that's going to be our core offer for the next several months. And that's really to take the women from point A to point B and get them some results. So that's everything we're focused on. Of course, with it being a newer program, we are improving improving every day and finding mm -hmm. the best way to get results for women. Um, so that accelerated program is, is open. There's always enrollment open. I don't want anybody to be um, cut off because of time. Um, so we've, we've established a really cool, a curriculum so that people can, can execute well. Okay. Um, and where can people find that? So you can go to flippantempire.com. The okay. best way to find me is going to be on my Instagram page. I post a lot of content on there, um, just about real estate, life, motherhood in general. Right. So, so find me on there, shoot me a DM. I'd be happy to talk to you on there. Okay, great. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put the, all those links in the, in the description for, for this as well. And why don't we finish with a couple of, of couple of fun questions. So I know because we're both in Dan Martell's group, um, you know, we're required to read every day, which I've actually thoroughly enjoyed because I never read before. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can enjoy reading. Um, mm -hmm. What is uh, one book that profoundly impacted your life? The one book that really impacted my life uh, would be Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, in it, I think he showed me the path to real wealth. Um, he's got some other good books following behind, but uh, that one showed the path one through real estate. It made it attainable for anybody, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, that guy could do it. And then it also showed the importance of mentorship uh, through your journey. Last question for you, Stephanie. If you could give your 20-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? think it would just to be have more confidence in yourself and to have to really just listen to your gut and go after it. Yeah. So thank you very much for joining me, Stephanie. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast and I look forward to watching your progress and everybody that wants to follow Stephanie, you can get all of the links in the description. Thank you.